The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, who are called as saints, along with all in every place, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You were enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. As a result, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Today I'd like to look closely at our epistle reading. Our epistle reading was the opening verses of St. Paul's letter to the congregation in Corinth. These words address what is fundamental about being a Christian. It's helpful to know what is fundamental. When we lose sight of what is fundamental, we get confused. What are we really about? And what is going on? How should I see myself? How should I see my future? These are fundamental questions that Paul answers in our reading this morning. Before we get into the particulars, I'd like to give you an overall statement that I'd like you to remember. The shortest, most fundamental creed in Christendom, or statement of faith, is, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Everything that we'll be talking about is an elaboration of that statement. Now let's look at Paul's words more closely. I'd like to begin with his to statement. The very beginning of the letter says, from Paul, and then he says, to the gathering of God, which exists in the town of Corinth, And then he goes on to describe them, sanctified, that is, made holy in Christ Jesus, called saints or called holy ones. Now let's talk about what it means to be holy. The word holy is often misused. People will talk about having sacred or holy experiences, maybe during a concert or seeing some beautiful landscape. And this makes holiness almost a synonym for special or maybe serious or very often very beautiful things. The main thing I'd like you to understand about holiness is that it is something that is 100% God's own property. The only one who really is holy is God. We sing in the Gloria, Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. God alone 
is holy, and then those things are holy to which he communicates his own holiness. When God communicates his holiness to other things, then those things become holy. And since God is the only source for holiness, without that connection to God, nothing can truly be holy. So if we go back to Paul's words, he says, To the gathering of God in Corinth, to those who are sanctified, that is, made holy in Christ Jesus, called saints, that is, holy ones, that's what the word saint means. These people, Paul says, are holy in Christ Jesus. God has communicated his own holiness to them. And then he goes on, along with everyone in every place who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus, who is their Lord and our Lord. The Corinthians are holy, Paul says, but not just them. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is important for correctly understanding what the holy Christian church is. We say in the creed, I believe in the Holy Christian Church. What is it? The Holy Christian Church is made up of all those who call on the name of the Lord, all those who have faith in Jesus. Every individual who hears the gospel, hears the voice of the Good Shepherd and follows him, that individual is a member of the body of Christ, That individual is part of the Holy Christian Church. So Paul is connecting these Corinthians who believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord to all the others who believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord. He's also connecting us to all those others who believe in Jesus as their Lord. And it doesn't matter who those other people might be spread all over the world. They could be rich or they could be poor. They could be on different continents. They could be of different races, different skin colors. We're all one in Jesus. We're all made holy in Jesus. It is even the case that people from different church bodies and denominations make up the Holy Christian Church. There are so many different church bodies with so many different teachings and emphases. Nevertheless, if the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the Savior of sinners, is present in these places, then by the power of the Holy Spirit in that word, there will be believers in Jesus as their Lord. Now, this does not mean that it doesn't matter what church a person might attend or belong to. It is a grave and unbelievably destructive sin when the word of God is falsified in any way by anybody or by any church body. It's breaking the second commandment, the very first petition of the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name, is a prayer that God would bless us with his word and its truth and purity and that we as children of God would lead holy lives according to it. In fact, one of the reasons why Paul is writing to the Corinthians is so that they may be corrected concerning a whole host of errors 
and false practices that are present in that congregation. So when I say that wherever the gospel is, there are Christians, don't misunderstand me to be saying that this is just some easy prerequisite. Almost every church has the gospel, so who cares? We all believe the same thing. No need to worry or talk about anything else. What I'd, in fact, like you to understand is that the gospel is so extraordinary and so powerful that it brings about salvation even in the midst of many and grievous sins. And, of course, the worst sins are spiritual sins, the sins against the first table of the law. But those who call on the name of Jesus, as Paul says, wherever they might be, are saved, are made holy. If we have been made holy, then And if we actually believe, then we certainly don't want to make friends with stuff that is destructive and destroys that which is true and saving. The gospel, when it is properly understood and believed, is not going to make us into apathetic, lazy, indifferent people. Who cares? We all believe the same thing. Let's not talk about it. No, the gospel, when it is correctly understood and believed, will make us zealous for that which is good, that which is healthy, good for us, good for others. So Paul opens his letter by tying these Corinthians and also us with everybody else who calls on Jesus as their Lord. Then he gives them a blessing, grace to you and and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we live by being blessed like this. We live by God saying, I forgive you. My grace and my peace I give to you. Paul goes on to speak about how they've been blessed. He says, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God that's given to you In Christ Jesus, Paul gives thanks. And he's not giving thanks for himself because some great boon has come to him, but he's giving thanks for them. And Paul's always giving thanks. It would be good for us if we would follow his example generally, but let's just talk about especially here when it comes to our fellow Christians. Whenever anybody has been called out of darkness, called out of alienation from God because of their sins into eternal life in Jesus, this is the best possible thing that can ever happen. We should keep this eternal greatness in mind when we are dealing with our fellow congregation members also. Instead of grumbling and complaining about the shortcomings, and there's no shortage of our shortcomings, grumbling and complaining about that with our fellow congregation members, we should be thankful that the grace of God has been given to them just as it's been given to you. This grace that is given to us is effective, as Paul goes on to say. You were enriched in Jesus in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. 
And as a result, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ on the last day. Here, I think we really get into the Christian's way of life. Paul says that you were made rich in Jesus in every way. Now, we all want to be rich, don't we? If we could choose between being rich or poor, wouldn't we choose being rich? And, in fact, this quest to become rich, whether that be rich in money, rich in prestige, rich in good looks, what have you, to try to get rich, we put in a lot of thinking and a lot of effort to get what we want. But Paul says, you are made rich in Jesus in every way. How so? Well, Jesus makes you holy. Jesus communicates to you God's own holiness, the only source for holiness. God, who is love, pours into your hearts his love. Instead of becoming rich by perhaps exploiting other people, you have the opportunity to make other people happy. Instead of just making yourselves happy. And how do you do that? By loving them. By serving them. You could become rich in many different ways by dedicating your life to becoming rich in whatever pursuit you might want that to be. But no matter what those ambitions might be, they inevitably are destined to decay and pass away in the grave. All the stuff that you might try for in this life, it can't last. But that is not so with Jesus. Jesus makes you rich in that which is eternal, which is love. Now, you're familiar with one of Jesus' sayings in this regard. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That saying from Jesus is the kind of thing that Paul's talking about when he says that you've been enriched in Christ in every way. You no longer have to be a slave to your own desires or a slave to your own ambitions. You can live for others in love, in suffering, and in sacrifice. And Paul says that the Corinthians have been enriched in their speaking and in their knowledge. To be rich in speaking and in knowledge is, in fact, to say and believe the kind of thing that we just quoted from Jesus. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. If you want eternal knowledge, I don't recommend that you read the Wall Street Journal or self-help books. You, in fact, already know the way to be blessed, that is, happy. The one who loves the most wins. The one who loves the most is like Jesus. And Jesus is coming again. 
Paul says, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly waiting for Jesus our Lord to be revealed. When is he coming? Is he here yet? This is not foolish, but wise. Whenever we eagerly await something, we're quite active. When Grandma and Grandpa were coming, we couldn't wait. When are they going to be here? We greet them at the door. So it is with the waiting for Jesus, too. You don't want to be down in the basement playing video games. You don't want to be caught naked. You don't want to be embarrassed when Jesus comes, and Jesus has enriched you so that you're not embarrassed when he comes. It'll be the best thing ever. Finally, Paul says, and God will keep you strong until the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, the gospel is powerful. It has called you out of darkness and foolishness into light and everlasting light and everlasting life. It has caused you to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord. When Paul says that God will keep you strong until the end so that you're blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't mean then that you are done now. You have the secret knowledge and now you can just live however you want because you've got this little bit of knowledge and you'll be kept strong until the end no matter what. No, he says God is faithful. Is somebody who is faithful just show up once and then go away and you never see him again? God is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son. The faithfulness of God is in the way that he's brought his gospel to you. It didn't come from you, it came from God. God has brought his gospel to you, bringing you into fellowship with Jesus. And God is faithful in baptizing you and bringing you the Lord's Supper, which is surely fellowship and communion. And God will keep bringing his word to you so that your faith may live off of that word that is given to you. And by faith in Jesus, you will, as Paul says, be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to conclude, in these verses, Paul lays out what is fundamental about being a Christian. Jesus Christ is your Lord. In him you are rich, and in him you are wise, and in him you know how to live, and in him you are prepared for the future when Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. And in him, you will be blameless and perfected in love. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.